I'm Pastor Dave. I'm the pastor here at Renewed Covenant Church, and uh, we are renewed by God for the renewal of our neighborhoods. And uh, one of the ways that we are trying to renew our neighborhood and be a part of our neighborhood is through our community gardens. If you look out there, um, there are gardens. And at this time of the year is actually when you'll see a lot of people working the soil, picking the weeds, and getting the soil ready to plant. And you'll actually see some sprouts coming up right now. Uh, I know I have my own plot out there, and this year I'm all like, oh, last year I was my rookie season of gardening, and this year is like, I'm a veteran now. So, you know, I don't need YouTube. I can just go out on my own creative self. You know, I even have like worm compost that I created in my own home. And so I put that into my soil to amend the soil, like make it better, make it more nutritious for plants to grow. And uh, so I'm excited to see what kind of fruit um, comes out of it. But we prepare the soil so that seeds get planted and it will, it will grow. And uh, we, uh, just to give kind of a bird's eye view of the next few months, uh, what we're gonna be talking about here at Renew, um, this section in May, we're gonna have a series called the Organic Kingdom Stories from the Renewed Life. And that's based, I'm gonna go basically through the parables of Jesus that deal with agriculture. Because he tells several stories or parables about uh, the kingdom of heaven being like farming. And so we're gonna go over in that in May. And then next month, the staff, Magdiel Uriel, Erica, and myself, are gonna start a new series in June called Fuego which in translation, translated in Sp from Spanish means fire. So, right? I don't need any more advertisement, right? Come and catch fire in June, because we're going to be talking about fuego. Um, and then in July um, is our annual, our second annual July is for the ladies. Last, last year it was June is for the ladies, but we're going to have a series of guest speakers, all women, preaching the gospel. So. You're going to know what kind of church we are when you come in July. Um, so we're excited about that. But like I was saying, people are preparing their plots, preparing the soil to receive seeds in hopes that it will grow. And we all work hard to prepare our garden plots. But ultimately, and this is biblical, ultimately stuff grows and you don't control what grows and how it grows, right? Weeds can grow, plants can grow, and that's part of the mystery of the kingdom of heaven. That's part of the mystery of creation and nature. You plant stuff, you water it, you fertilize it, you sing over it. You know, I have to admit sometimes I sing over my plants because I've read somewhere that if you sing, they grow better, right? Plants, plants grow. <laughs> uh, no, I really don't. I do. Um, but so we put all this effort into it, but ultimately there's a mystery. There's a, there's a indescribable nature about creation. I can't actually make those plants grow. I don't actually bring down the rain. I don't make the sun shine. I don't make photosynthesis happen. I can know the process, but ultimately there's a mystery and a power behind growth. And this is what Jesus is talking about when he's talking about 
the word. This is one of the seminal parables that Jesus teaches. It's about the sower and the seed. And there's a lot to learn from this parable. And what he's saying is our hearts are like soil and my God's word goes out. And God's word is the truth, is the seeds. And if you notice, the sower doesn't discriminate in terms of where the sower is planting those seeds. The sower just scatters them, right? And that's a whole sermon in of itself, right? God doesn't discriminate, right? God wants to love everyone. God wants to touch every heart and life in the whole world. And so he scatters the seed without bias, without prejudice, without walls, right? Without borders and scatters the seed. That's our God, amen? He's the sower that just spreads his truth, his word out. But the other thing that I want to point out is Jesus is saying this is more than knowledge, right? And sometimes, you know, I even have, you know, a music stand here. It's like I'm a professor giving a lecture. Like, this is the word of God, and let me break it down for you. And let's learn. Let's sit and look at me and learn. And Jesus is saying, I tell parables because it's more than just a lecture. The word of God actually goes into your heart into your soul and it gets planted and it's like an inception, right? And that inception grows and grows and grows and it heals you, it changes you, it transforms you, yeah. it wrecks your world yeah. if your world needs to be wrecked, amen? amen? The word is alive and dynamic and that's why we gather together at church. We don't gather together at church to show off our new shoes. I don't have new shoes, but... Right? We don't, we don't gather at church to doodle on our notepads. We are a community that gathers around the word of God. Amen. And that's why, actually, you, and the word of God is dynamic and alive. And through the Holy Spirit, it works in the individual and it works in the community to shape for us to become a Christ-like community. Yeah. To become Christ-like individuals. And that's why Jesus spoke in parables, because there's a mystery, there's a secret of the kingdom of heaven that needs to be unlocked. And the only way that that gets unlocked is through the Holy Spirit and through our engagement, not just passive listening and being like, that was a great joke. That was great exegesis of that passage. Not a passive, but an active response. Man! God is trying to disciple me. God is trying to shape me through his word. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. It's a lie. And that's why we show up. If we're not showing up because of that, then why are we showing up? Right? God wants to move and change us. God wants to send us out as a church and make us different people. And the word has the power to transform. Do you believe that, church? Yes. Amen. Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. You know, it's not about how much we produce. Right? It's not about how much fruit we produce in our life. As Christians, as a church, as a pastor and minister, it's not about how many people I get in the seats, we get in the seats, or at work, uh, well, maybe at work it is about how much you produce. But in God's eyes, right, 
It really isn't about how much you produce. What God is interested in and how we should measure as a body of faith, fruit is the way in which God's word is taking a hold in us. Amen? The way that amount, how do you measure transformation? That's why we like testimony. That's why we like to share with one another because we get to see how is God at work in you? How is God changing you? How is God healing you? How is God lifting you up? How is God encouraging you? How is God providing for you? When you're down and out, how has God lifted you up and given you hope? When you're stuck in the desert and you're turning to other things other than the word of God, you're eating sand instead of drinking the water of life, how is God correcting you, disciplining you, saying, turn away, repent, come to me, come to the source of life. How is God doing that in your life? We, we are people that measures fruit in that way, right? Transformation is fruit, right? Not budget lines, not how great our building is. I don't know if I told this, there's a guy on Twitter um, that's tweeting out all the um, pastors on the, in California and their expensive Nike shoes. Not just $100, $200 shoes, but these are like $2,000 Nikes. Like $3,000 Nikes. And part of, part of us, and it's not to judge like, oh, this is the kind of the culture, but it's kind of like, whoa, is that the fruit? No, the fruit is what God is doing in our midst. Imagine, as the word says, a lake, a large body of water. It's in the morning, and the mist, the morning mist is rising off the surface of the water, and it's so calm that it's like a mirror, smooth and calm. And imagine that there are large crowds. You hear the murmuring of people, the talking and whispering, and they're gathered around Jesus. And there's so many of them that he's feeling hot and crowded. And if you're like me, the people, you know, you're kind of claustrophobic. You're like, give me some space. Get away from me. And some people are smelling, right? Their armpits are a little smelly. It's a little too close for comfort. And the scripture says that it was so crowded. There were such large crowds that Jesus had to get into a small boat that was just anchored on, anchored on shore. So he gets on the boat and he's speaking to the people. And his words, you know, walk, voices and sounds carry over the water, right? So there's this natural megaphone, right? Natural amplification of Jesus' voice. And there's a hush as people are receiving his words, they're waiting to hear. What is Jesus going to say? And he talks about this farmer. And the kid tugs at his dad's robes and says, oh, he's talking about a farmer. You're a farmer. Because right? Jesus talked about what people were doing. Right? It was their everyday life. We were farmers. 
We work the land, we sow seed, and our life depends on those seeds growing up, and our life depends on the harvest, and we need the fruit of the harvest. And so when Jesus speaks these words, he's actually speaking to our context. And so by context, we should become a people that hear the words of Jesus and are like, wow, this applies to my life, to my context. So Jesus talks about this farmer, and the farmer is spreading seeds out, spreading seed out, and it's falling here and there. And he tells the story of some seed just falling along the path, right? It falls along the path, and the birds immediately, never takes root, the birds immediately peck it up. They eat the seeds. And then some of the seed, they fall on rocky soil. And they do take root. They're actually little roots get in the spaces and the cracks of the rocks and like take root. But because it's rocky soil, it's shallow. It's really shallow. And so when the heat, heat of the summer sun comes up, it scorches the flowers and the, and the, the sprouts. Right? And they don't survive. Some fall among the weeds. And they actually take root and, do, and they're doing well. But the weeds grow up and they choke and choke and choke the sprouts and the plants until they're just, they can't get any more nutrients and they wilt and die. And finally, some seed fall among good soil and they take root and they grow, they produce a crop a harvest of a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what is sown. Whoever has ears to hear, let him hear. Jesus tells a story on the water. Everyone leans in. They've come to hear Jesus, the Word made flesh. Jesus speaks and tells this story. And he says, Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. This is their everyday agriculture, subsistence. The time to plant had come, the anticipation of the future fruit, future harvest, and ultimately survival rests on the crop. Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. The very story that Jesus tells, the very words, were actually on the theme of listening to the word. But not just about listening to words as in comprehension, but really hearing, deeply hearing, and understanding, and perceiving with hearts. Right? The disciples end up coming to Jesus. Why the heck? This is kind of different than the Pharisees. This is different than what we hear in the temple. Right? You're telling these parables. Why do you speak in, to the people of parables? And Jesus says, because to you, knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, I'm giving you the secrets, the goods, to you, but not to them. And you're like, hold on, hold on, hold on. Jesus is an exclusive? 
I, this isn't fair, what? You're giving them the secret, secret password, the secret handshake, the secret words of knowledge and wisdom, I, and to them you're not giving it to them? But for Jesus, it's not a matter of privilege, or you were born better, or you were born in a better place, you were born with more money. It's not about privilege, it's not about race or ethnicity or, or status or, or merit. It's not about any of those things. It's about, remember, the sower sowed seed indiscriminately, right? It's about our response. It's about being disciples, not just students, not just listeners passively listening, right? On your Bluetooth headphones being like, Jesus word. No. It's about engaging, responding. It's about your soil, right? And to the, to, to the disciples has been granted the secret of the kingdom. Why? Because they asked questions. They pushed in, right? Some people listened to what Jesus said and was like, oh, a story about a farmer. That's cool. Let's go. I'm hungry, right? But did Jesus, but the, the Jesus' disciples and the followers are like, why? What does that mean? Why do you tell those things? They're hungry. They're curious. Right? They don't just want to sit passively and, just, and then go to lunch afterwards. They push in. That's response. Right? It's just, it's more than letters on a page. It's a call to respond actively. That's why the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven have been given to them, but not to others. Because listen, he quotes Isaiah. This is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You'll ever be hearing, but never understanding. You'll be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears and they've closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. Right? If your heart wasn't hard, if your heart wasn't so calloused, right, you would turn, and you would repent, and you would come to me and say, help, teach me, tell me, and I would heal you in your heart. I would touch you in your heart, right? When we come to the Word of God, when we come as a community gathered around the Word of God, we come with our hearts and our souls, right? Open, amenable. And you guys know when your hearts are hard, right? You know, for me, I'm, I was trying to think of a good kind of analogy for this. When someone, you know, the honeymoon with this friend or coworker or whatever is over, and they've gotten to the point where they're annoying you, and you're trying to, like, everything they say just annoys you. Everything that they do just annoys you. And you just, they come into the room and you're just like, ah, like everything just tightens up. Right? Nothing that they do or say can fix it because the honeymoon is over, 
you're annoyed by that person, what they just did something or said something, just got on your nerves, now everything they say gets on your nerves. Your heart has become calloused to that person. Right? Your heart has become hard to that person. So they tell a joke, everyone laughs, you're like, that wasn't funny. Right? They give you a nice gift, they're like, what's your agenda? Right? You do not give charitable assumptions to people that you're calloused against. And this is what the prophet Isaiah and this is what Jesus is talking about. When our hearts are calloused against God, don't matter what he's saying. It's hard to receive. And the prophet is saying, if you would just soften your heart, we can fall in love again. You can receive the love again. Many of you who have been in married relationship, uh, not, I guess there's no air quotes in that. <laughs> you either are married or you're not. It's like, ring, not married relationship. Many of you who have been married know this, right? The fire may die, right? And it's all about like, how do you keep that kind of, how do you keep the partnership alive? How do you keep the communication? going, how do you, you know, keep the, ignite the fire in the, in the in relationship? Because sometimes, I know my wife feels this, she wakes up in the morning, looks over and I'm like, that's not who I married, right? Like, when I married him, he was like two times skinnier, right? And like, he was actually good looking, but now, man, he's snoring there, I'm like, oh, she's probably like, oh man, I could have done better. Anyways. You guys can laugh, like, loosen up. <laughs> that was supposed to be funny, right? Self, Self-deprecation, right? <sighs> trying to soften your, I'm talking in parables. <laughs> but I think the key to any relationship lasting for a long time is whether or not we're willing to stay soft and vulnerable and tender. Like life circumstances are going to hit, right? Hard times, storms, distrust, broken trust, right? Smelly breath, morning breath, whatever. That's going to hit and we might get annoyed and our parts of our heart might get calloused to our family members, not just spouses, to our children. Our children will definitely become annoyed with their parents, right? That's called adolescence and teenage years. But the key to maintaining the health and vibrancy of a relationship is our willingness to be to turn back to the person and be like, I want this to work. I want to receive from you. And I want to share how maybe you hurt me. Or I want to share how I need you. And as long as you both parties are vulnerable and good soil, if you will then new things can grow. Things can always grow. It's like pruning. Things will always grow out of dead stumps, right? Because that's, that's the mystery. So God is saying, the prophet is saying, if you would just turn, if you just see me with your eyes, if you just hear, not just give me lip service and say, uh-huh, 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 anyways, but turn. 
will heal you in your heart. Blessed are your eyes because they see, and your ears because they hear. For truly I tell you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see, but did not see it, and to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. Here's another level to what Jesus is saying, is actually we're in special times. Because all the stuff the prophets were prophesying about and talking about it, now is the Kairos moment. I am the fulfillment of those words. I am the word made flesh dwelling among you. And so you have a special knowledge. The prophets, you're living in the times that the prophets longed for. Here I am. Follow me. Here I am. Listen to me. Here I am. Let me into your life. Let me take control of you. Let me bring good news into your circumstances. Let me change your habits. And uh, what is it? What is it for you that keeps the word of God from taking root like a seed, making deep roots inside your heart? What is it? You know, for me, I'm a very stubborn guy, one, and I'm a very, I'm, I'm the type of person that looks for a fight. Like anytime there's a fight, Janice is like, run away. And I'm like, let's run to the street and see what's going on. See if we can like jump in. And uh, I kind of have to like settle down because I'm a pastor now. So you don't want your pastor to be getting enthralled in like fights. But I have to, I have to admit, there are parts of me that are the angry Asian man. Okay? That... Uh, because I've grown callous when it comes to like systemic things or maybe like male culture that's the dominant male culture that isn't like how I was raised or grew up, right? So you can say I have a chip on my shoulder or whatever. So it comes out when I see young, and I, you know, I'll just say it, when I see young white males like teenagers or 20 year olds, just like sauntering across the crosswalk during a light. People are waiting to turn. They're like, I don't care. Like, just something comes up in me, like, I want to fight them. Right? It's like, you are privileged. You are like, you know, you don't care. You're selfish. Like, you think you own the world, right? And that comes up in me. And then I'm like, oh, yeah. God has called me as a disciple to be a pastor, right? But there, there's still that stuff, that anger, okay? And so I'm going to make a confession here. Um, I think it was two weeks ago, and it was just before my, I just had my 44th birthday. And then I'm feeling my middle age, you're at 44 times 2 is 88, like, I'll probably live to 88, so that's middle age. I'm middle age, ah! And uh, I'm exactly middle-aged. And this, you know, this car's coming. We're driving. I, Isaiah's in the back. And 
you know, I need to go turn left and I'm in the right lane, so I kind of change lanes. I don't think I cut it in front of the guy. But then the signal, there's a, another car ahead of me, the signal is yellow. So, and this guy is coming, you know, we're pretty close because I just pulled in to the lane. And the guy in front of me, I'm like, I'm thinking he's just going to run the yellow and I'm going to run it after him. And he stops. I'm like, oh! And I'm looking in the rear view mirror. I'm like, man, I got to stop because I'm going to hit that person. But is that person behind me going to hit me? And they just veer, right? And the guy flips me off, right? And I'm like, it's not my fault. I didn't mean to cut him off. And it could have stopped right there. So here's my confession. Oh my God. <laughs> like if it was, yeah, here's my confession is that I sped up and chased the guy down. Because <laughs> I wanted to like make some comments, you know, or just, you know, engage a little. Just say, yeah. And so mind you, Isaiah's in the back of my car, so I'm being a good model, you know, a good father to him. <laughs> And uh, so we pulled out the next signal light, and I was just like, I rolled down my window, his window's down, he has a friend next to him, they're like probably in their 20s. And I'm like, what, what did I do? And he's just, he's cussing me out, and then he says, shut up, old man. I'm like, he can tell I'm old? Like, he just really pushed that tender button at me. And my son's back there, everything's like kind of <laughs> boiling. And he's just got his hat on backwards, just younger, male, like cocky, and his friends next to him. And then like that angry Asian guy in me is like, you think I'm just like the, the nice passive Asian guy that's going to be like, okay, okay, good, good. Right? No, I'm a bad boy. Right? And I'm like, inside I'm like, you're a pastor, you're a pastor, you're way beyond this. What would Janice say? What would WWJS, what would Janice say? Your son's in the back and I go, I don't care! You know? And I, and he had a friend, so I'm like, I'm like, okay, I repent so you guys can forgive me. I said, let's go, let's pull over, right? Let's pull over. And then, you know, sometimes back in the day, you watch those world star videos, right, of street fights, and they're all, you know, people are like, one-on-one, one-on-one, right? Because he had friends. He had a friend, so I'm like, I don't want to, I don't want both of them to jump on me, right? So I was like, one-on-one, one-on-one, let's pull over. And so I actually turned in the parking lot, and I'm like, I didn't think about it, but I was like, what would I actually do if they followed me, right? And they're like, would I just have a fight with you know, with Isaiah there, or would Isaiah jump in? Like, what was I thinking, you know? And uh, I wasn't thinking, I was reacting. Um, but they just sped off. And, uh, and I was like, yeah! You know? <laughs> you're all talk, I saw it in your eyes. There's nothing behind your eyes but fear and cowardice. <laughs> so, forgive me, Lord. But that actually brings up a part of my heart that's rocky soil, right? That even though God is calling me to be a pastor and to shepherd people, and on top of that, 
called to pastor a multi-ethnic congregation where we're about reconciliation. We're about breaking down the walls. We're about building bridges. There are still parts of me that are angry. Right? When I watch the news and I watch what's-his-face talk or tweet, I get upset. I know I need to love him. But I get upset because there's a lot of things attached to that. My own masculinity as a minority male, my own ways that I've been hurt, you know, by the dominant culture, and wanting to be like, I'm tough, I'm strong, don't mess with me. You know, all of that's there. And those are the places that make it maybe hard to build new relationships and new possibilities for, thing, for the seed to take root and grow into something beautiful that God wants. What is it for you? What is the rocky soil in your heart that keeps you from taking root and growing in the way that God wants you to grow? Or what are the weeds in your life? Jesus said, goes on to explain certain things. He says the weeds are the worries and anxieties, the things that we worry about in our life. Even though the word takes root, life's cares and worries choke everything out. And we forget about what God wants to do in us or what God is saying to us because we're worried about paying the bills or making ends meet or getting into that relationship or the stresses of life. And it chokes out the gospel, chokes out what God wants to do. Or many of us may need inner healing, just like me. Like we have anger, we have places where we're wounded and hurt. And that keeps us from taking risks in relationship and, and loving again, or loving in a different way because we've been hurt in the past. But God wants to push us past that. Amen? Amen. Um, so we're going to have a short time of reflection, and, Paul, and then Paul will transition to music. But in, your, in a note card, um, in the pews, or you can even use a connection card, or there's paper tablets and pens, or you can go up to the chalkboard and write, write it down. Uh, there is a different, three different soils. Like, what is it for you? How's the soil of your heart? And what's keeping God's work from growing and thriving inside you? Amen.